Now, I know most of us don't remember much about World War II. I wasn't there. Most of you weren't. Matter of fact, none of you were. But after World War II came to a close, most of Europe was basically just destroyed. And they were beginning to pick up the pieces. And most of the country had been, the old country had been uh, ravaged by war. Buildings were in ruins. One of the saddest sights of all was probably the number of little orphan children walking around the streets that didn't have anybody to take care of them, didn't have any food. Clothes were torn. Well, one morning, an American soldier was on his way to the back to his barracks in, in London. And as he was driving the Jeep back to the barracks, he turned a corner, and as he came around the corner, he saw one of those little children, little boy, one of the orphans of war. And he was standing there with his nose pressed against the window of this little storefront that had survived the bombings. And inside that storefront was a baker making donuts. And the little boy is standing there watching, probably salivating as he's looking at this man making those donuts. And he had nothing. Well, the soldier's heart, obviously, was really stopped and compassion rose up in him and he pulled over his Jeep and he walked quietly up to the little boy and standing beside him said, would you like some of those donuts? And the little boy looked up at him with big eyes and said, oh yes, sir, I would love some of those donuts. So the soldier walked in and bought a dozen of the donuts and he came back out, walked over to the little boy and, and handed him the donuts, and he just simply said, here you are, and he turned to walk away. And as he began to walk away, he felt a little tug on the bottom of his jacket. And he turned around, and the little boy looking at him with those big eyes said, Mister, are you God? The point is, we are never more like God when we're giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In Christian circles, and if you're like me, we get so calloused to what we've seen or heard on TV in particular when it comes about giving. What I want to speak about for just a few minutes is generosity. And the title of my message is Recognizing and Imitating the Generosity of God. Generous people truly do represent an aspect of God. And as Christians, when we're giving out of generosity in the way that it's intended in the Scripture, we're probably demonstrating Christ more closely than just about any other way, any other thing we can do, the generosity of the Lord. I'm going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read one th- verses 1 through 9. It says this, Now, brethren, we we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Paul is writing this. He is writing it to the church in Corinth, and he's choosing to use the Macedonian churches over over in Athens and Thessalonica, where he had been, as an example to this church in Corinth. And he says that in great, a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. 
For I testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. They were begging them to let them give. This was not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Consequently, we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning when he was with you, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. They had decided a long time ago they wanted to make a, a, a contribution because part of the church, the family in Judea, was going through very, very difficult times. But a lot of time had passed when he's writing this letter. He says, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance or speaking and knowledge and in all earnestness or diligence, And in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. In verse 9, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And I'm going to start with verse 9, and then we'll go back and look at verse 1. You all know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says, you all know, you know. In other words, all of you know this, and they knew this. They knew about the grace of Jesus Christ because of not only Paul's teaching, but they had experienced the grace of Christ. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, It's not because we're so smart or because we're so self-determined. It is by grace we accept it. We've experienced the grace of God. If you are a Christian sitting in here today, you have experienced the greatest miracle of grace, the greatest demonstration of love there could ever be. And he's saying, you guys, Church of Corinth, you've experienced, you know, grace. And it's this God's grace and knowing God's grace that empowers us to be generous people. It's like the unction. It's the motivation. It's the fuel. This grace, having experienced His grace, if we really meditate on it, think about it, and it really settles into our spirit, the gift of grace that God has given us, it should change everything about how we think. Everything. And he's saying, you guys know about it. You've experienced it. I taught you about it. You accepted it. You know. And he's saying, that's the motivator for generosity. Grace. There's lots of definitions, and I'm just going to give you one more. It says it's just an expression of love to those that deserve something else. We didn't deserve to get saved. God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to the cross in spite of us grace and it goes on in that verse and it talks about when as he expresses and think about this think about this for a second when we have opportunities of generosity there's times that we discover all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't be generous whether it's our time we need to be generous with, our talent that we need to be generous with, or our money that we need to be generous with. We look at that person or those people that we need to be generous towards and we go, ah, they look at them. They probably don't deserve. They're probably just... And we walk away. 
when you look at it that way, just think about you and me. When Jesus decided to give his life, he looked past our unworthiness. He looked past our rebelliousness. He looked past our sinful nature, and he poured out his unconditional love on us anyway. And that's the kind of grace that we should demonstrate in our generosity as Christians. We are so blessed because we can call him Father. The promises of the word are ours. And because of that, a generosity should well up in us to help. It says he was rich. Rich. The fullness of his glory in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit for eternity past. He was rich, living and experiencing the splendor of heaven that we can't even imagine. And then it says he became poor. And he became poor just about in any way we want to define it. In other words, if you look at that word in the original language, it it means total abject poverty. He set aside most of his glory. He came to earth and he... You remember when it says things like, well, the foxes have holes to sleep in. Gee, he doesn't even have a bed or a pillow. He had nothing. He set it all aside. He came to earth, left the richness of heaven. He, gave, he came in the incarnation. I, I mean, I can't imagine being the spirit, the son of God, and all of a sudden being trapped in a fleshly body. It had to be unbelievably uncomfortable, different. But he did it. And besides all of that, as if he wasn't already poor enough, guess what he did? He took on debt. The debt of our sin was put on him. He was rich and he became poor for us. I don't know who first wrote this sentence, but I really like it. It says this, Jesus was born in a borrowed cradle, preached in a borrowed boat, rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, took the last supper with the disciples in a borrowed room, and then he was buried in a borrowed grave. He didn't have much. But what he had, he gave us. Why did he do this? For us. That's why he did it. That we could become rich, it says. That we could become rich. We that were poor, we were eternally condemned. That's poverty. There was no good thing in us. That's poverty. They, we were poor. He was rich. We were poor. He became poor that we might become rich. Rich in eternal life. Rich in salvation. Rich in the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us. Rich with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Rich. That's why he did it. And what... Paul is telling the church at Corinth and us is if Jesus and God the Father were that generous with grace, how can we not be as generous with grace? Our generosity, when it's rightly motivated, is being moved by God's grace through us. We get to demonstrate the grace of God. It's the empowering of our giving. Now we're going to jump back to verse 1. Brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the church of Macedonia, that in greater deal of affliction and abundance of joy, deep poverty overflowed, and they gave liberally. I'm going to go kind of faster this, so I want to get to some things at the end. 
And I guess the Packers play today. We are to give grace as we receive grace. Generously. They gave out of the abundance of their joy. He's saying, you know what? It wasn't convenient for them to give. He's saying to this church in Corinth who hasn't really fulfilled what they intended to do, he's saying, look at this church in Macedonia. They were afflicted. They were in poverty. And they begged us to give. Why did they beg to give? Because they knew the grace of God in their own lives and they knew there was a need in the body of Christ and they wanted to give because they had been given so much. They were generous beyond what they could have expected, he says. Deep poverty. Verse 3, it goes on and says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond, they gave of their own accord freely, begging us, urging us for the flavor of participating in support of the saints, not as we as expected. They gave of their own free will. You know, sometimes if I listen to somebody on TV trying to ask for money, I don't care whether it's church-related or otherwise, I just about feel my arm getting pulled out of my socket as they're trying to convince me that if I'm going to go to heaven or be blessed ever in my life, I need to write a check for $100 and believe that it's going to come back as 1000 or 100000 That's not biblical giving. Biblical giving is motivated by grace and a generosity out of our own desire to give. Frankly, and, and I'm sorry, but if I don't want to give, I need to check where I am spiritually with the Lord. He says, of all these things, you know, you've got uh, diligence and, and love and knowledge and you speak well, but add to this generosity. All those other spiritual things, we would say, yeah, they're really spiritual, they're really spiritual. And then he comes to the generosity thing and goes, ah, let's check that one out. And he reiterated it in chapter 9, the next chapter of Corinthians. I just want to read this verse. Uh, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you have an abundance for God to use for his glory. Now, frankly, we're not all rich by the world standard in here. But trust me, I don't care if you're the poorest one in here. You're not poor by the world standard. We all have an abundance beyond our, our needs, our sufficiencies. I mean, seriously, go home and look in your cupboards and see what food is already outdated. You've had it so long. People are starving. Go look at your closet and say, gee, I can't remember I even had that shirt. It used to fit me when I was 18. We've got so much stuff. And he's saying out of their lack, their poverty, those Macedonians gave. Church at Corinth, come on. Demonstrate the grace. Grace giving means simply there's no holding back. He doesn't tell us to give. Boy, drives me nuts. This is the short rabbit trail. Drives me nuts when I'm watching a Christian stand up there and telling you to get out your credit card and make your donation on credit. I I think that thing is so unscriptural, so unbiblical. I turn those off real quick. Give what we can give. Give what beyond what we can give. But we're going to get to a key part of this verse in in verse 5 where it says, before they gave anything, you know what they did? 
They gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, and then they gave. Paraphrased. Before they gave, they went to God. They sought Him in prayer. They gave themselves to the Lord and said, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have us give? And when they heard from the Lord, they went to the apostle and said, this is what we want to do. Please let us. We've beseeched the Lord. That's how Christians should give. Motivated by grace, seeking God. He might ask you to give something you really like. Just to see if you really want to. I'll leave it alone from there. And then verse 6, he, he really is just encouraging him in verse 6. You know, he says, you know, remember when Titus was there? You guys got all excited about helping the church people and the church in Judea, and you decided you were going to do it? Well, Titus is coming again, and he's just going to encourage you, do it. Do it. You had decided to do it, do it. Giving really is part of what it means to be spiritual. Generosity is what it means to be spiritual. Notice verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You know, when I first read that, that's in the, I believe that's the NIV translation. He says, I, 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 I'm coming to you. I'm not going to command you to do this, but, I, you know, here's what the Macedonians did. Where are you at? I'm I just kind of testing you to see just how sincere you are in your love for the Lord. Um, that's about as forceful as it gets in the Scripture. I'm just testing you. Do you love? Do you love me? Do you love others? You know, there has never been a need any greater than ours. We needed to be redeemed. We were lost. We were condemned. God in His grace sent His Son. He took on all of our sin. He became sin on our behalf. The wrath of God was poured out on Him so we would never have to take it. And he offered it to us as a gift of grace. Talk about a heart of generosity the Heavenly Father has towards us. And he still has it towards us. But he gave the greatest gift we could ever imagine. The need was great. There are all kinds of needs. That's why we need to go to the Lord. I mean, man, there are so many needs. Ministries contact our church. Missions contact, missionaries contact the church. There's needs in our community. There's needs in the body. I mean, there's always a need. And I don't say that like, oh, geez, another need. It's like, tell Lord, we want to bless them all. How do we do this? We have to go to the Lord. We pray, Lord, who? Who do we, who do we give to out of generous hearts? And that's what we need to do in all things. And I'm sharing this because it's, where we're at is the leadership team in the church, the elders in the church. There's, 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 God's really impressed upon our hearts through prophetic voices, but also just from observation. Um, there's some needs that it looks like we have here at Victory. You know, we have a generous church. I mean, the guest speakers we have, they walk away shaking their head. They don't get those big, that big of offering when they go to big churches. We are a generous church. We give somewhere between thirty-five dollars and $45,000 a year just to missions that we support on a regular basis. We give thousands of dollars to people in what we call alms, people who come to us with needs. And I tell you the truth, most of them aren't even from our church. 
We have other churches in the community that send them to us. You know what that says? You're amazing. We are generous people. So I want you to hear that first and foremost. This is not a scolding in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is your generosity is overflowing because of the grace of God overflowing in you, in us. And I know when I say that, some of us are squeamish inside. They're thinking, I don't think I've given a dime for a long time. Isn't God good? He got by without it. But just think of the blessing you're missing. Because he promises what we sow, we will reap. You're a farmer and you only put a few kernels in the ground, you aren't going to get many plants. The Bible says you put a whole bunch in the ground, man, you're going to get a harvest that you can give away to other people. Not hoard. That's off track. Where am I at? Generosity. This building. What a blessing. It was paid for in, I think, five years. Is that right? Five years it was paid for. Uh, The the grounds are always kept looking good. The inside is kept looking good. You know, the, the, the staff. I mean, people around here are shocked when they find out we have two full-time staff and two part-time staff. How do you guys support that? Well, I've heard that we make everybody tithe 20%, so I, that's what they say down at the bar. I said, oh, I hope they're prophetic. No, <laughs> I don't say that. God is faithful when people are generous. He blesses generosity. The curriculum and the programs, the remodeling we've had to do. You know, we, we had to remodel the nursery because all you ladies keep blessing us with babies. Awesome. Who doesn't want to build a bigger nursery in a church? It'll die if you don't build a bigger nursery in your church. And the nursery we've got is not going to be big enough, quite frankly, but that's okay. Volunteers. We have volunteers. I remember years ago, like, who can we get to do something? We've got volunteers galore. There's always room for more for for you to be an opportunity to give of your time. But everything we do around here almost is done by amazing volunteers. It's done by you guys, which is biblical. The work of the ministry is supposed to be done by the body of Christ, not a hireling. The hirelings are supposed to train up the body to do the work of the ministry. We're blessed. Casey does a great job at that. But we believe that there's going to be new needs, and we've been working on this for a long time as eldership, And we wanted to have more distinct plans before we really got everybody involved praying. But we need your prayers. We believe that there's going to have to be an addition added to this building. That addition is going to have to be done because what we see a building as is a tool. Carpenters need a hammer. A church building is a tool to do ministry. The ministry that we've got going on here is has expanded so greatly since we were in that little building downtown because we had no room to do it. And guess what? We're outgrowing this one. Praise the Lord. But it's a tool. It's a tool where we come together as a body of Christ to help people connect with one another like these ladies are talking about. You know what? If they got nothing else out of it but just a fellowship and discovered that there's people that love them, that's great. But to grow in our fellowship and relationship with one another, to grow in our relationship with the Lord, 
and then to learn to serve and have opportunities to serve. So we believe a building is going to probably have to be added onto. When we look at it as we've been praying about it, we realize we need a, a, we need a nursery and a pre-K, pre-through K, pre-kindergarten. We need more space. Awesome. Every pastor I talk to wishes they had that problem, needing space for children in their church. We probably need a much larger foyer. Anybody say amen to that? Why? You just walk through it? No. You need a place to fellowship. You know what? If I, let me just do something quick. How many of you are from Ballatin? How many of you, look around. How many of you are not from Ballatin? Anybody think we need to find some time and place to fellowship? Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. Gives me chills up my spine. It's been prophesied that we are to be a regional church, and what you just saw is prophecy taking place. But we need a place to fellowship. We want a big foyer where we can fellowship, and I don't have to run around, turn the lights off, and kick you out. That's what we want. Restrooms. <laughs> it's not the most spiritual topic, but boy, oh boy, I get, I get information from the ladies about that as much as anything. <laughs> Mike, we need more restrooms. We do, and we will. <laughs> Amen. You're supposed to forget. You've got a renewed mind. <laughs> but all of those things. We're, we're praying about, does the sanctuary needed to be added on to or not? There's always multiple services. We're praying. We don't know. I think all of those things, if you're around here much, you know that they're probably needs we're going to have to have. Needs for the body of Christ to advance the kingdom. Trust me, if you know me at all, I hate building projects. No, I really hate building projects. So we're not trying to do that because we want a bigger building. But if God wants us to build a bigger building so that we can do what he wants us to do in training up and raising our children, reaching out beyond Ballotin. I tell people, our church is not Ballotin. We are southwest Minnesota. I didn't realize quite how much. That's awesome. Parking. Nobody thinks about that, but a lot of churches go to two services because the parking lot's too small, not the sanctuary. All needs. And then there's one other need that we really, really, really covet your prayers for, and we want input on all of this that I'm sharing with you as you pray. But we were approached by some people from the community, not in the church. And they knew that we're looking at some expansion because I had to talk to some people about easements, et cetera, et cetera. And one of them stopped me on the road right out there on the, on the street and said, Mike, we know you guys are going to build or thinking about building. I said, yeah, we're thinking about it. We're in preliminary stages. This is, in the, in the architectural terms, this is called the prayer phase. We said, would you guys consider building a daycare? What's emotional about a daycare? (laughs) I'm crying because I'm scared. (laughs) 
we don't know. But one of our prayers is, God, how do we affect and impact our community for Jesus? How do we impact the region for Jesus? What can we do? I, I to, I'm going to talk to him about this daycare thing, but we don't know. And we need your prayers. Because it's not, it, we can certainly utilize the space both for our education programs and a daycare. That's great. But oh, the bureaucracy. If those of you that run in house daycares, that's just to scratch the surface of the requirements. And, and there's so many things. It's been prophesied over this church years ago before we built the building that we were, they knew we were going to build it out here. And it was prophesied that this church was going to have a tremendous impact on houses grow, being put up all the way around this addition out here. People coming from other areas to build their homes here. And one of, the, one of those things we said is, I wonder if anybody who'd move here would need a daycare. What would a daycare do to make it more marketable? Those things can all get in the natural. And it just, I, I guess what I'm sharing is, I hope you hear my heart, we need your prayers. And we need your input. We believe God is just getting started with your church. We believe it's going to become a greater and greater and greater influence. He's going to use us in greater and greater ways. And it's stretching me. Some of my elders are ready to go already. <laughs> I love those guys. Scare me to death. But <laughs> And we want to do it. And you know what? <clears throat> this building costs just a little over about almost 600000 with the property. Uh, the insurance companies make us insure it for $1.3 million at replacement cost. Uh, we had some plans drawn up before this daycare thing came into our minds. And, and uh, a building about this size is what, what they drew up give us what we think we might need, almost duplicating the building. It's probably going to cost somewhere between $1.2 and $1.5 million. And I say, wow. And then I'm reminded by some of those same elders, if it's God's plan and God's vision, it'll be all his provision. And I believe, just like when we were starting to build this building and raise funds for this building, the word that we felt the Lord speak was, Mike, Elders, leaders, don't worry about the money. It's in the church already. It just needs to be released out of generosity. And we believe that's where it's at. And I don't say that with condemnation, but I believe if, if that's where the Lord leads us, that's what will happen. Okay, I'm rambled on too long. We covet your prayers. Generosity. And again, it, it's not just money. It's time and talents, but we give it because we are motivated by the generosity of God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, giving his grace to us that we can then spread his grace to other people through the generosity that's in us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the gift of life made available to all through Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, and God, we are so excited that he is coming again. But Lord, until that day, we pray that you would guide and direct us by your spirit, that we would be fruitful, that we would be good stewards of everything you bless us with. God, that generosity would pour out of our hearts towards people that are, have lesser 
things than we have, that have needs. God, I pray that we would walk in such love no one would be offended when we offered to help or to do. God, I thank you that we serve the God who created everything that exists by the word of his mouth. Lord, I pray now as we go our different, dire- different directions today, Lord, that you would go with each one of us. Watch over us. Keep us safe as we travel. God, give us sensitivity to your Holy Spirit that we might take advantage of every divine appointment that you have for us. God, we pray that everything we do is for your glory, for your honor, and for the purpose of advancing your kingdom. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.